Well, Happy New Year from an empty church building from the Wilshire Church of Christ. This is certainly not how we hope to begin 2021, but regardless of all of that, we have so much to be grateful for. I am thankful that you're starting your year worshiping with us here at Wilshire, your brothers and sisters in Christ, and I am grateful for the technology and the ability we have to still be together and to do so safely and responsibly. Uh, so thank you for joining with us today. I also want to give my thanks to Andrew Rice for filling the pulpit last Sunday to allow Jim to stay safe, to allow me some time away. And Andrew continues to do lots of ministry. He is, he is largely responsible for making it possible to share our worship online. Andrew and Sean work together so well to make this ministry possible. So thank you to those guys and thank you to everyone who continues to minister and serve Jesus Christ from, from Wilshire in the midst of such crazy, crazy times. And I also want to echo what Jim said about our elders. This is a difficult time to be a leader in any organization, but especially in the Lord's Church. There's, there are two big concerns. One is the, the practical concern of taking care of our brothers and sisters in Christ and, and making sure we're safe, that we're healthy, that we're responsible and we're also concerned about our image in the community. We want our brothers and sisters, but also our friends and neighbors around us to know that we care about them and, and we, we honor their concerns and their safety. So the elders are balancing that prayerfully. And so please let them know that they are, that they are in your prayers and you are mindful of the weight of that decision uh, as they go forward. Well, being New Year's, uh, the first Sunday of the year, I, I'm assuming that a lot of churches, a lot of preachers are giving a traditional New Year's Day sermon. And Andrew did this last week with his wonderful sermon on renewal. It's an important message and this hope of new beginnings and starting fresh and blank slates. It's a powerful message and it's an important one. I'm, I'm glad Andrew shared that. Today, I'm going to pick up in our study and our our or look at this concept of waiting on the Lord. Because a lot of people arrived in the new year filled with new hopes and dreams and wishes, excited about a new beginning. And yet here we are still waiting, waiting for an end to this pandemic, waiting for the economy to turn around, waiting for so many things, things we've been praying for for so long. And yet as the calendar turned over and as the new year began, we're still waiting. That idea of waiting is scattered throughout all of Scripture. But one of the challenging things of life is when someone doesn't share your sense of urgency for anything. Delane and I are in our 13th year of parenting, and we, God has blessed us with two wonderful children. But one thing we can't seem to grasp as parents is how to instill in our children a sense of urgency for anything whether it's getting ready for school or getting ready for church or finishing their homework, the word hurry seems to put them in some weird time warp that reverses the meaning of words where they slow down. And so you may be running late and you tell your children to hurry and they do the opposite. When people don't share your sense of urgency, it's frustrating. If you're a parent and you know the secret to teaching children urgency, please share that. It's a challenge. But we feel that way in so many moments in our relationship with God. In fact, as you read your Old Testament, one question will pop up 
especially in Job and especially in Psalms and even the prophets, how long, how long, God, will you delay? In Psalm chapter 13, the psalmist asked that question four times in six verses. How long, O Lord? When you read the book of Habakkuk, the very first words out of Habakkuk's mouth is that question, how long? And even as you read through Scripture and you come to the last book of the Bible, in Revelation 6, you see the the souls of the men who have died for their faith, who have been beheaded for their faith in Jesus Christ. And they're standing around the throne room of God, watching the persecuted church, asking that same question, how long? We believe that those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. But we find ourselves asking that question, how long? And every time you read those words and every time you you ask that question, I, I think there's an implied meaning, an implied answer to it. It's been long enough. It feels like it's been too long. How long must we wait? I want to show you a story in John chapter 11. It's a famous story. We read it just a few moments ago. It's the story of Jesus raising Lazarus. Now, this story, to be fair to John, is told as a sequence of signs, these miracles that Jesus performs, pointing out who he is. And every miracle Jesus does is an insight into who he is and what his ministry and his kingdom is all about. John chapter 11 is the seventh such sign. And it's a remarkable sign that will point to his own resurrection. So as we look at this story, keep in mind that's John's primary focus of the text. But as he tells this story, you find out a little bit about waiting on the Lord. You see, Mary and Martha are the sisters to Lazarus. Lazarus is a good friend of Jesus. In fact, The text reminds us that he loved Lazarus and Martha and Mary. They're special people. And when Lazarus gets sick, John says that they simply send a message. The one whom you love is sick. It doesn't say that they asked Jesus to come. It doesn't say that they demanded Jesus come. It doesn't even say that they were calling on him to come, but you know behind that announcement is an expectation. He's sick. And you know that they've sent for Jesus for a reason, because they know what Jesus can do. And so they've called on Jesus, and I assume they waited for Jesus. As family members gathered around Lazarus in his bed and they prayed, I can only imagine Martha and Mary saying, we've asked Jesus to come. We know he'll be here. As the doctor walks in and says, it doesn't look like Lazarus has much time. You may want to begin planning. I can only imagine Martha and Mary saying, but we've asked Jesus to come. And they wait, and they wait, and they wait. There's something disturbing in this story as John tells it. When Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick, he first tells his disciples that it's it's not a sickness that leads to death. And then you go down a few verses, and Jesus tells his disciples that Lazarus is sleeping, and the disciples say, well, if Lazarus is asleep, 
He'll just wake up. And then Jesus says, no, he's dead. Now, wait a minute, Jesus. You just said this will not lead to death. And then you said he's asleep. And then you said the sleep means death. Can you, can you understand why they might be a bit confused? But the troubling part of this is that it says Jesus delayed two days. He waited. John says he loves them, but he waited two days to budge. And when you do the math, Jesus shows up in Bethany. He goes to the place where Lazarus lives. And when he arrives after a two-day delay, we find out Lazarus has been entombed for four days. So if it's a two-day delay and a two-day travel, that means if Jesus had left when they asked him to leave, he could have been there before Lazarus died. But he waited. He delayed. All the time that Mary and Martha are surely telling friends, don't worry, Jesus is coming. Don't be concerned. We've seen Jesus heal. He'll be here any moment. And day and day and hour and hour passed by and no sign of Jesus. They're waiting on the Lord. And it's not as if Jesus had to be there even. I mean, Jesus could have done what he did in Matthew chapter 8 when the, the servant, the centurion's servant was sick. And the centurion comes to Jesus and, and says, my servant is sick. Jesus says, I'll go to your house. And the centurion says, you don't even have to go to my house. You're a man of great authority. All you have to do is speak. And if you speak, my servant will be healed. And sure enough, Jesus speaks. And at that moment, they find out the servant is healed. Jesus didn't even have to go to Bethany. Wherever he was, he could have simply said, Lazarus, be well. He doesn't even do that. Or if time is of the essence, maybe Jesus could pull off one of these miracles like Elijah did in the Old Testament in 1 Kings 18, where Elijah, with this miraculous fit of speed, outruns Ahab's chariot. It happens in the New Testament. It happens with Philip when God says, go study the Bible with, Eli with, the, with the eunuch. And Philip joined himself to this chariot out in the middle of the desert. Speed is not a problem. Jesus could have made it there in time. But Luke says, or John says, that Jesus intentionally waited two days. Mary and Martha are waiting on the Lord. And the Lord waits two days. It's even more troubling when Jesus tells his disciples once Lazarus has died, I'm glad I wasn't there. What must that have sounded like to his disciples? And please don't anyone tell Martha and Mary Jesus ever said those words. So after a two-day delay, Jesus goes. He arrives. Martha sees Jesus from a distance and she says what we all maybe would have said. If you had only been here, if you had come when we asked you to come, if you hadn't waited two days, Lazarus would still be alive. When Martha finishes with Jesus, she goes back and Mary goes out and joins Jesus and she says the same thing. If you had come, if you had been here, Lazarus wouldn't be dead. 
And not only do Martha and Mary say that, but even the Jewish people who say, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? Anytime you hear multiple people saying the same thing, you can almost count on it that they've been saying this together. We're waiting on the Lord. And if God had acted, if Jesus had shown up when we asked him to come, Lazarus would be alive. But John says he waited for two days before he made the trip. And sometimes we find ourselves wondering, where is God? Why is he waiting? Why doesn't he come right now? If he comes right now, he can fix it. He can make it better. He can make it go away. Where is he? John says he waited two days. When he finally arrives... Lazarus has been dead four days. He could have been there. But as John points us to this sign of who Jesus is and what his ministry about and what his kingdom looks like, he also offers insights into our waiting for the Lord. I think John makes it abundantly clear that Jesus' delay is not a disregard for their hurt. John reminds us multiple times, he loves Lazarus, he loves Martha, he loves Mary. When Jesus shows up and he realizes, or he sees what all the, the emotional weight that's being carried, and he sees this empty tomb, John says that Jesus himself wept, and the conclusion of everyone watching is, he sure loved Lazarus. God's delay does not mean he disregards our pain. He's there. He knows it. He sees it. John says he feels it himself. There's also something in this text that's troubling and it's difficult for me to come to grips with. Intellectually, I understand this, but emotionally, I struggle with it. God's delay is by design. John says it. John chapter 11, when they tell Jesus that Lazarus is sick, Jesus says, this illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. It's for the glory of God. He says something similar back in John chapter 9. A man born blind, the disciples say, whose fault is it? Did this guy sin or did his parents sin? And Jesus says, neither. It's so the glory of God could be seen. He tells the disciples, I'm glad I wasn't there. So now you have the chance to believe. You see, Jesus' delay is intentional. And I understand that intellectually, but I struggle with that emotionally. When I watch people I love begging God for healing, begging God for relationships to be brought back together, begging God for, for anything in life, 
And God doesn't act when we want him to. But God has a purpose. And it's the eyes of faith that trust there's a greater purpose behind it. Jesus knew what he was doing. He waited two days. He knew what he was doing. And when we wait, when that wait is over, God ends up doing more than we ever imagined. You see, Mary and Martha understood that Jesus could have kept Lazarus from dying, but I'm not sure they fully understood that Jesus could make Lazarus live. That their limited view of Jesus may have upset their waiting. If you had only been here, here, but Jesus says, because I wasn't there, I'm going to show you something greater than you ever imagined. Because I wasn't there, because of the delay, and because you waited, I'm going to show you what it means for me to be the resurrection and the life. Martha, do you understand that I am the resurrection and the life? Mary, I know that you believe that I could have kept him from dying, but Mary, do you understand that I can make him live? I am the resurrection and the life. They were waiting on the Lord to do one thing, but when he acted, he did something far greater than they expected. We wait and we trust. And that's not easy. Jesus arrives after an intentional delay. And his love is without question. And his plan is without comparison. Those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. And so we find ourselves with Mary and Martha waiting I don't know why Jesus waited two days, but he did. He did it so that the glory of God could be seen. I don't know why that couldn't have happened some other way and in some less painful way. But he waited. And we find ourselves waiting still for an end to this pandemic for a way to take care of our families, for relationships to be mended, for, for hurt to stop, for violence and war to end, for, for so many things. We wait for the Lord and we cry out, how long? And we have to trust that God knows exactly what he's doing. There's one other thing in this text. Verse 9, Jesus says, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. His disciples were trying to convince him not to go back because the Jews wanted to kill him. 
And Jesus is trying to say, as long as you have the light of the world, you won't stumble. It may not make sense. Life may not come together. It may hurt. You may struggle. You may be afraid. But if you have the light of the world, you're not going to stumble. And as we wait, and as we look, and as we hope, and as we plead, as we ask how long, John reminds us that Jesus is the light of the world. Let's pray. Lord, we wait for you. We wait for you to end this pandemic. We wait for you to bring healing to our land. We wait for you to bring healing to our friends and neighbors. We wait for relationships to be healed. We wait for families to be stronger. We wait for so many things. Lord, help us to trust you as we wait, to trust in your plan, to trust in your timing. And we pray for that strength and faith to trust in the true light of the world. Father, we pray that as we wait, people come to know you. And that just as Jesus said that he delayed so that people would come to believe in him, Father, we pray that through our waiting and through our faith, that we will bring others to you to trust in you as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.